Hello and welcome back, everyone, to episode 22 of Ninjas and Bots, the uh, Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast covering every issue of the IDW comic series for those properties. Uh, my name is John and with me is my friend Lane. Hi, Lane. Hi, John. Hi, listeners. It's turtle power time, Lane, and I'm so excited for this issue. Yes, uh, me too. And let me just say, I want to jump in and say, I'm so glad we started this project because I love nerding out about Ninja Turtles and Transformers with you and our listeners. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to just kind of geek out about the things that we love. Yeah, I love it. And like, we've we've both spent so much time in superhero world, which I love superhero world. I'm doing a read through of all the Superman comics ever. But like, Mm -hmm. there's other stuff and it's like a different part of my nerd brain. Yes, 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 yes. I, I am happy to I am happy to join you on that journey and I'm glad I I barely had to twist your arm to talk you into doing both not only doing this podcast, but when you said, Well, should we do ninjas or should we do the Transformers? And I th- with the slightest not even any pressure whatsoever, like, why not both? Why and not both? thus history was made. She literally went and got the girl from the GIF and brought her to my porch. And the girl mm-hmm. just stood there. I opened the door. She's like, why not both? As she shrugged her hands and then she left. And I looked at Lena and said, dos. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And all of her family like, you know, raised her up on their shoulders and they went, yeah. So it was a good time. There we go. Mm-hmm. So we made the podcast. <laughs> all right. So we um, are going to be talking about issue eight of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles today. But before we get into it, Lane- Is it eight or is it nine? It's nine. I wrote down eight in the notes, but it is definitely nine because I read nine. The one with Splinter on the cover, right? Yes. Okay. So before we get into issue nine, however, I want to talk about, I have recently begun a reread of the Mirage Ninja Turtles. For those who are curious, I'm going to be skipping the guest era stuff. I'm going to be sticking mostly- Two stuff written by Eastman and Laird or stuff that ties directly into continuity. Not going, I did the rabbit holes once. I don't need to do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But issue one, I had forgotten a lot of the details of. And whenever I was reading the origin again, I realized that they didn't just pull the main concepts of the origin. They did a lot of really interesting parallels and in storytelling that I thought I would just kind of highlight here because it's the kind of details that they didn't have to do, but must have been intentional. Um, mm. So first off, I had completely forgotten that Tung Shen was even in the original story. My bad. Um, but whenever they um, tell the story, Hamato Yoshi and Tung Shen are together, they're not attacked and Tung Shen is not killed by Orokusaki. They are attacked and Tung Shen is beaten by Orokunagi, who is Saki's brother. Yes. And so Hamato Yoshi kills Nagi and they go into exile voluntarily rather than being shunned into exile by the foot. Um, guess how long they're in exile? 11 years. Uh-huh. So from the time that uh, um, Saki is seven years old at the funeral until he is 18 years old and therefore an adult, um, they're living on their own. And then once Saki is an adult, he starts leading the chase to hunt down and find Hamato Yoshi. Uh, Then he finds Hamato Yoshi. They, um, They have gone into hiding on their own and uh, they kill uh, Tung Shen there at his house. 
in front of Splinter. Now, as I'm going through this, I feel like there were more parallels and more connections, but maybe it's just that 11 year time frame and the fact that um, the wife was there in both time. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Um, Splinter is telling the story to the turtles. And he says on a night nearly 15 years ago, Saki finally made his move and he kills uh, Tong Shen and the turtles are there and the splinter is there and they grow up for 15 years in the sewers. However, turtles don't usually live for 15 years. I don't know if they do or not. I'm just saying that. Um, I think they actually are pretty long lived. I know sea turtles are. I wasn't sure about tortoises and like, you know, but, um, but in any case, the 15 years in the origin original version and the 15 months in our version, I figure was probably an intentional connection. So our teenage mutant Ninja Turtles are actually teen a month age Ninja Turtles. Whereas in the original comics, they were actually 15 years old. So um, anyways, just, just some, some interesting choices of numbers that I hadn't realized were directly parallels with the original version. The box turtles commonly live 25 to 30 years in the wild, but have been known to reach ages of 40 to 50. And let me check a readier slider as well. I'm I'm curious now. (laughs) So teenage years for box turtles is more like mature adult. Probably, yeah. Um, Lifespan for a uh, readier slider is up to 40 years, or about 20 in the wild. So, yeah, they, they got a decent bit of time real estate under their shells of course humans are one of the slowest animals to come out of childhood and reach maturity and most, some of us never do most of us some of us yeah <laughs> um so yeah just a couple of notes from the original uh, comic um i am not going to blog my uh mirage comics reading as we go through these stories but if i come up with other interesting things that i think are related to our current stories i'll bring them up as we go along yeah um but yeah so Lane, can you tell us about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue nine? I can. So this is issue one or part one of Shadows of the Past. It has a cover date of April 2012. Writer Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Art Dan Duncan. Colorist Rhonda Patterson. Letterer Chris Mowry. Editor Bobby Curnow. And cover A which is what I see a shackled splinter hunkers behind bars while a hand with a hypodermic syringe comes into frame from the left. Mm -hmm. Our poor splinter is a lab rat once more. Is it, is it a coincidence that the shadow on the floor looks like a hooded um, proto shredder face from the Leonardo issue? I noticed that too. Yeah. That's, that's, um, I don't think it's a coincidence. Okay. That's just, that's just my thought. So April comes to terms with meeting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who are fighting killer robots who might or might not have been reincarnated. And once she gets their names, she realizes she is the one who named them. Raph asks April if she can get them inside Stock Gin, but just being an intern, she's not sure, but she'll try. At Stock Gin, Hob taunts Splinter, who is strapped to a table within a cage. Splinter asks Hob if he is in as much control as he thinks he is. We meet a stammering scientist named Chet Allen, who is ordered to hold off on tests until Stockman arrives. And a quick aside, the name Chet Allen came came up a lot in the Mirage comics, didn't it? It seemed really familiar when I read it, and I was going to look it up, and I forgot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just, I don't think there was a character 
named Chet Allen, at least not as far as I've read. But it's one of those names that's kind of popped up around. Uh, we'll, we'll look into that. Anyway, um, so Stockman, Krang, and the two rock soldiers make their way in a stretch Hummer, no less, to the lab. Stockman promises Krang that he'll be able to witness firsthand the recovery of the psychotropic compound from our fugitive rat specimen. Krang isn't so sure, thanks to Stockman's history of false promises. Outside Stockton, April, Casey, and the Turtles plan their breach of the facility. Donatello uses a commandeered mouser to break through the door of the security office. The security guards realize they need backup, and so they take off, leaving the way clear for the turtles and friends. They disable some cameras and some, and some security guards, all except one who they encourage to tell them where the rat is. Before they get there, though, they come across the Ed 209 of Mousers. Raph tosses one of his side to Casey, and the pair, powered by rage, attack the Mouser and disable it. They finally get to get the doors open, but they find Hob unconscious on the floor, Chet Allen awake but also on the floor nearby, and no splinter, and the cage he had been in has had its bars broken. Leonardo grabs Chet by the collar and demands to know where Splinter is. The others took him. The others like you. Not giant turtles, but the ones with swords and masks. Right. On the next page, Splinter's blindfold is removed to show a woman. Hear me, and hear me well, rat. I am Karai of the Foot Clan, and you are a prisoner. And you would do well to remember that. Just as you would do well to show respect, rodent, and bow down before Master Shredder. <laughs> yes, we have our reveal of Shredder. I literally squeed. I squeed out loud and I sent you a squee when I got to that yeah. page. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And that design is so cool looking. With it's the very, black and the red. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. I, I love this issue. This was so good. And uh, so exciting. And I have no idea what's going to happen. And I love it because <laughs> uh -huh. they've done their own thing. They have convinced us they're going to do their own thing and they've done their own thing. And it's been interesting. And I don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. I, I like that they kept most of the introduction and catching up to speed with April. They kept that off panel because we don't need that. We know everyone's backstory. We don't need that rehashed to us. Mm -hmm. But, but, um, yeah, well, we just still get some of the emotional fallout of her figuring out what's going on here and getting used to the idea. Yeah, yeah. There's just enough to to make it um, cute and right. make it enjoyable without like, oh my gosh, we have to go through all this again. But, but yeah, just, she takes it well. And I love her connections and how they all come out and the whole I named you. That's a really good moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I just, I love the panel of... We just see the back of April's head and we see the four turtles. Um, well, three of the four are smiling at her, cute little smiles like, hi, and you know, giving their names. Mm -hmm. Leonardo's not very happy. He's still tending his wounds from his one shot that um, we covered a couple, a few weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, he is not in a good situation right now. And I like this issue does bring in a lot of the... Um, the one shots. I think every one shot is after this issue, every one shot has been mentioned except for the Raphael one shot. Um, mm -hmm. cause we find out, we get reminded here that Donnie has met Baxter Stockman, which I 
kind of had forgotten, but it feels important now uh, since mm-hmm. the others haven't met him. And uh, oh, and and Raph has met Alapex, and Leo has met. I guess that's the Shredder. Uh, I couldn't remember though if Nike, if Mikey met anyone. Yeah, just that. Um, was she was she a cop or someone working undercover? I'm not sure who she was. Yeah, the police character that I said was a character who had an entry, but then you didn't know if you had actually seen her again yet. So I'm right, not sure how yeah. important she is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I laughed. Mikey's like, Donnie, you forgot to tell the part about his being reincarnated and stuff. And Donnie's like, trust me, Mikey, I didn't forget. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a panel of Leonardo that I love. Um, it, it It's kind of an overhead shot, um, not directly overhead, but it, it's just like a perspective shot. And he, I've never seen him so angry and so like battered and bruised, but determined at the same time. Like he looks really formidable here as a and not just like a cute little turtle he's like oh you're someone that can really mess me up and i'm a little bit afraid of you now yeah 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 (laughs) it's it's the it's the one like right above the first panel we have of hob right right yeah i'm looking at the one yeah it's it's a really intense leo shot Mm -hmm. yeah um hob has a delight at the idea of slicing up the turtles that is vicious in a very cool way. Mm-hmm. He's like the, uh, with all the stuff we got here for maiming and killing, I'm counting on it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why they bother having bars around the table because one, he's strapped down to the table and two, and by him, I mean, splinter Two, the spacing between the bars is like, <laughs> like, like, uh, <laughs> like two feet between each, each bar. So Hob could walk through that. Chet could walk through that. Splinter could walk through that. Uh-huh. The only person who can't walk through that is Krang. P- pretty much. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's got that massive body. But he could if he didn't have the massive body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's squiggle his brain through. Yeah. My brain can squiggle in places I can't squiggle in. <laughs> but Don't- I do like the little dig that Splinter gives like he he says he looks at him and says are are you in as much control as you think you are and i think that is going to plant a seed of doubt or seed of something in him um because it does hit home it does get a reaction from hob Mm -hmm. it also if nothing else feels like a foreshadowing of the end of the issue because this does not go well for hob Mm um and there's some threatening added to that with the conversation with Krang and Stockman and hop over the phone that, you know, we're headed that way. So, you know, you should be there and be ready. And we're kind of get the feeling that things are looking up for Hob, but they shouldn't be because Hob's kind of a loser. So things should be falling apart pretty soon. And sure enough, they do <laughs> mm-hmm. by the end of the issue. Yeah. And, you know, he, even though his, um, the ooze that he was, exposed to was tainted by the alleyway muck mm-hmm. he, he, he there's still potential there for him to be used at some point i mean i don't think he's safe remember when he was locked into that room and uh shown the mousers um mm-hmm. yeah Stockman I, was very menacing there wasn't he yeah they, they don't have any love lost for hob he's handy for them at the time be- for the time being but yeah he, like well, splinter he, if, says he's not in as much control or as safe maybe as he thinks he is 
if you have two options and one option accomplishes seventy five percent of your goal and the other option accomplishes one hundred percent of your goal, you go for the one that goes for one hundred percent. But if right. that door closes, the seventy five percent option is still there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. That, if that's all you can do, then that's what you do. If that's you know viable. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if Hob has given that much consideration. Mm-hmm. Because he's working for these guys. He's been working these for these guys for 15 months. And he's mm-hmm. very full of himself, more so than I think he really deserves. As Stockman pointed out last issue, you you or two issues ago, I think, you've had two strikes. Do you know baseball? Yeah. <laughs> this is a piano baseball. Um, there are two conversations between April and a turtle. And I don't know if you felt this way, but I feel like Donatello and Leonardo treated April's agency differently like when she's talking to donnie she's like i'm doing this he's like okay you sure what you're doing and she's like yeah i'm doing this he's like okay and when she's talking to leo he's like you're not doing this and she's like oh yes i am he's like no you're not okay okay fine <laughs> and yeah. i don't know if that was intentionally for the two characters to be different toward her or if that was just you know a choice in the moment on the page or what or if you reacted to it at all i f- i feel it's, it was probably intentional uh one leonardo is the the leader of the group. Um, so adding case, like even Casey adding him in and especially April are unknowns. Mm-hmm. And so he's really used to working with his brothers. Um, so having these unknowns would maybe throw that off. And plus he probably feels a sense of responsibility for them and doesn't want them getting hurt under his quote unquote watch mm-hmm. is what is what I was thinking. But he also didn't, completely stonewall her like no you're definitely not he's like oh you know there's still some uh some leeway there yeah yeah he doesn't really double down on her not going he just starts out by saying i don't think that's a good but she's like no that's final i want to help you and i'm going to at least keep watch yeah so like a good leader uh leonardo knows when to pick his battles (laughs) um yeah i wrote down i'm with krang on this i don't expect this to go well because krang did not have faith in hob I I smiled whenever they're getting ready and Casey pulls out that hockey mask and April's like, um, <laughs> I didn't know you had later. anything like that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got fight gear in my bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> At least it's not a kill kit. Relax. Right. Some people have exercise shorts. I've got bats in a hockey mask, you know, mm-hmm. and exercise shorts. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, so Donnie brings that mouser. I loved He's him reprogramming the mouser. Uh huh. And I think he has the controller as well, and had figured out it's one of the four-legged mousers too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a decent size and is able to break through. Um, yeah, the mouser was... designs have some detail on them. That's kind of it's more mm-hmm. so than the original, just walking chompy orbs. Yeah. Um, let's see. And we basically get like a big boss fight mood. Whenever they uh, go and head off with the uh, the large mouser later, and that's the uh, that's the scene that gets the Eastman cover is them mm-hmm. fighting the the big chompy mouser, the Ed two hundred nine of mousers. Yes, um, as they're walking toward that mouser, there's a panel, the page where Raphael stabs the uh, camera. Mm-hmm. Just that last panel on that page, I thought was kind of a quintessential turtley panel. You know, all four of the boys and Casey Jones are on a mission to commit some violence. Yeah. Oops. Lost my my page reloaded. Let me go back down to it. But yeah, it's it is good seeing them all working together. Oh, okay. And just to be clear, 
the boys are straight up murdering these security guys, right? Um, I'm not sure. Let me, now that my page is reloaded, let me scroll down there. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think they are. Let me scroll back down to it. Uh. When Leo grabs the guy's neck, that could be a choke out or that could be a neck twist. But then Raphael stabs the other guy in the side. Yeah. I mean, they are, it looks like he stabs him in his upper arm. Okay, that may not be a cool shot then. Yeah, and then I think the the other one looks like a sleeper hold. Okay, um, so not murdering, just all the yeah, Leonardo's- like they're not above. They're, they they wouldn't shy away from murder if needed, but I think they recognize that these guys are just security guards and um, maybe aren't as involved as others might be. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if if they had to, I don't think they would hesitate to kill. But I think they're holding themselves back from doing that because it's not needed at this point. Because Leonardo's weapons don't do much else besides cut people in half. Right. And then at the end, when they get Splinter's location from that last security guard, then uh, Raph just bonks him in unconscious with the butt of his sigh. Mm-hmm. And when they get there, it's a surprise to the reader as much as to the turtles, because last time we saw this room, Hob and Scientist Dude had Splinter in a cage. Now the mm-hmm. cage is empty. Hob is passed out slash knocked out, but alive. And Splinter's gone. And we don't know what happened any more than mm-hmm. they do. It's, it catches us off guard. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't know much about Chet Allen yet, other than his name and that he works here at Stockgen and he has a stutter. Okay. Uh, yes, that's all we know about him so far, correct? Uh, yeah, I didn't actually notice the stutter until you mentioned it. I thought when I read that, I thought he was just scared of the turtles. But yeah, that too. But yeah, it, it it's... A, it's a thing. He, he had that before the turtles arrived as well. When we get to the Foot Clan, we do see two different looks for them. There's the look that I was called the uh, the sock suit, where it's just you know a single body sock with the eyepieces, and um, there's the hooded masked look. And mm-hmm. it looks like those are basically the two drawings that get duped over and over again on the page. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even pay attention, but yeah, one is almost like the like a Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, like superhero spandex that covers the whole body, and the other looks more like, uh, I don't know how you describe that, but... It looks more like clothes you could actually put on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed seeing Karai. Um, yes. As soon as I saw her, I was like, <gasps> because I knew that would take us one step closer to the Shredder. Of course, I didn't know it was just one page closer. Um, uh-huh. I know her mostly from the cartoon series from this era that hasn't quite premiered yet, but I did read her in the comics because her first appearance was in the City of War storyline. Have you seen her yet as you're reading the Mirage Yes. I, like, I've just come across her like one or two issues ago. <laughs> I was excited to, be, to come across her. I'll be curious to be reminded of whatever differences or similarities there are between that version of her and mm-hmm. this version as I get to know her and the cartoon version as we revisit that in a few weeks. Yeah. As I read, I'll try to remember to take notes of things that I come across in the Mirage and and with this one as we come across it. Now, she addresses, I assume, Grandfather is the Shredder. Because uh. whenever she unmasks Splinter, <clears throat> she's like, turn your... But in Japanese culture... It is super common to address other people with family endearments, mm-hmm. um, calling other boys 
especially older boys, brother, calling mm-hmm. older men and women grandfather or grandmother. Um, so if this were in Japan and she wanted to address some random older person, she might call that person Ji-chan or Oji-chan or Ji-san. But at the same time, this is a situation where probably a more formal respect would be required. So calling him grandfather when he's not actually her grandfather um, would be maybe inappropriate. So I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that this actually is her grandfather, which brings the question, I thought she was Shredder's daughter, not granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And so, um, plus, like, with his age, his apparent age here, um, grandfather seems like it would be a bit too old to use as a, as a, a not quite honorific, but a sign of, you know, familiarity and respect. Wouldn't he fall more in the line of being called a brother if it were that case? Because um, if someone sh- if someone walked up to me at my the, age and said hello grandmother, I'd be like, Ugh, ouch. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I don't know if that's something in Japan or not. No, it would be it would be like an elderly person you would call. It wouldn't be like you know a regular you know adult range. Um, right. So calling him grandfather because he's her grandfather seems the most appropriate thing. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, so in my head. Karai is the daughter of Shredder, like Polaris mm-hmm. is the daughter of Magneto. You know, this is one of those things in my head that could be a mistake on my part. Um, but one of the ideas that has sort of been bouncing around in the back of my brain as we've been reading this through, because we talk about them having a master, we also see the person we expect to be the Shredder does not seem to be that master. So I've kind of been expecting we're going to get a storyline of some sort of transition of power from an initial shredder to the quote unquote real shredder at some point. This is just me mm. guessing plot lines. But, Going from shred to shredder. Right. So this is the grandfather shredder and his son is in line to succeed. We might be getting that succession as part of our storyline in the relatively near future. I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but that's where my brain is right now. Good spitball. I like it. I like it. You don't normally hear people say that's a good spitball, but I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Good spitball. Kind of like good answer, but you know, good spitball. Good, good spitball. Yeah. And yeah, turning the page in the digital version to see the cover of issue 10 with shredder in full effect was just, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> now, yes. You know the story of where the concept of the Shredder came from, right? Where the concept of the Shredder came from? No. So Eastman and Laird are just living together, being silly boys, and they're constantly coming up with ideas for stories and whatever because they're, you know, they they make doodles and whatever. And as they're making food, one of them takes one of those box cheese graters. Oh my god! And puts their hand in it, and they're like, "Ooh, what if somebody had one of these for a weapon?" And they toss back a couple of uh, silly nicknames and somebody said Shredder. And there's like, oh, yeah, the Shredder. That's the good one. And that's what stuck. <laughs> and so when that they finally funny. did their Turtles comic, they used the Shredder as the idea. Somebody who wears cheese graters on his arms. The big old that slicers. That's hilarious. Yes. That's where we get the idea of the Shredder. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that it is kind of terrifying to be with someone who could just rip your skin off in little bits and pieces uh-huh. across the yeah, yeah, he he is a rather terrifying villain mm-hmm. um, in the world of villains in any comic that I've come across. 
I feel like because the cartoon turned him into such of a joke, we get that belittled. But oh my mm-hmm. gosh, the shredder is terrifying. Somebody yeah. attacks you with knives on their hands. I mean, that's yeah, what like I mean. Ha- that's 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 horrifying. Uh-huh. It's like there's no defense. Even if you you brought your arms up to block, you know, he is taking off most of your skin of your forearms just with his braces. Right. I mean, it's just it's he is a terrifying character. And I feel like they did the same with Megatron in the cartoons. He was a little bit more jokey and was diminished, but Megatron in the IDW is again to me a rather terrifying character. So yay, IDW, you did us proud. So yeah. Um I don't know what's gonna happen next, but I really want it to happen <laughs> now. And as soon as we have the phone, I'm reading lots of comics. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get up early in the morning, young man. <laughs> I am not young. Um but yes, I do need to get up. But comics first. Comics always first. Um okay, yeah. so any other thoughts on Shredder or nope, Ninja Turtles just- Nine? It's love it. Ugh, I love this series so much. Okay. Well, next time, next turtle time, we're going to have two issues again. We have issue 10 because we have to have issue 10 as soon as possible. And we have the micro series splinter issue. So micro series number five, uh, focusing on splinter is going to be our, our focus uh, in two weeks. But next week, we're going to get to know a certain young whippersnapper named Hot Rod in the Transformers Spotlight issue on Hot Rod, and then we're going to dive into the first issue of the new miniseries, The Transformers Escalation. So be here for that next week. So excited. Yay! Yay. All right. Okay, well, in that case, everybody, please, when you are in your kitchen, please respect the cheese grater. That thing can slice you to pieces. Don't upset it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they, they they're 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 terrifying. They are just just grate the cheese and go on with your life, and yeah, we'll talk and to like you next. The, time. And the pizza cutters, like the the circular cutters. I mean, do you really want to mess with a, a wheel of death? No, wheel just of death. Just cut. Pick your, pizza. your battles. Just eat a whole. No cuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast is a production of JohnReadsComics.com, home of virtually all of the podcasts produced by me, John Wilson. Each show has its own feed on your favorite podcatcher, or the whole group can be followed under the name John Reads Comics. Remember, there is no H in John. Feedback for all shows can be sent to JohnReadsComics at gmail.com, and I will plan to read it on a future episode unless you ask me not to. Follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics, and thank you always for listening to podcasts from JohnReadsComics.com. <laughs>